0: All right. Well, today on the Button Up Podcast, we have Carl Morawski from formerly New England Style Consulting, but we want to hear that story today. Carl, how are you? Hey, guys. How's it going? Excellent. So, we like to know a little bit about your background. I think people know if they follow your channel, you're from New England. But uh, start out with some of the early days of Carl Morawski.
1: Uh, my background's probably a lot different than most people because I I started out in a blue collar world. So. Uh, the Reader's Digest version is, is right when I was a junior in high school, I got accepted to my first choice college, and uh, that was right around the time that my parents split up. Uh, my father was the breadwinner. He owned his own print shop and was doing very, very well. So my mother worked part-time as a hairdresser, and uh, when they split, I mean, he, he all together basically disappeared in in you know financial ways and everything else so it was just my mom trying to figure out what she was going to do for a full-time job to support two kids one who was looking to go to college and uh eventually we had the hard conversation of look we're just not going to be able to afford college for you and since she was a hairdresser she really didn't have she wasn't educated on the different ways to get loans and all the opportunities that are available for people who can't afford it yet may have the grades and the ability to to do well so I got, I was just a really angsty, angry, <laughs> late teen, early twenties, young man. So I turned to the only thing that I, I liked, which was working on cars and motorcycles and stuff. So I got a job at a lock, like a local auto mechanic and, uh, I worked there. I wasn't really happy in my work, but I made money and it was, it was something to do and I could take my aggressions out and that was good. But, um, Actually, the, the guy who took care of the finances, our, our CFO, must have seen something in me because he sort of took me under his wing and said, listen, you're clearly not cut out for this stuff. You're, you want more. I know you want more. We, we had had a few conversations, and uh, this guy, you know, he wasn't married. He didn't have any kids of his own, and he sort of liked to take on pet projects. So I guess I was one of those. And through hanging out with him and, and uh, you know, getting to know him, he actually brought me to get my first bespoke suit. I didn't have any suit to that point at all. My my idea of dressing up was a good pair of Levi's and, uh, you know, a Dickies shirt. That was that was dressed up for me. So but I, I believed in him. He, he really had shown me the right path, got me enrolled in a local um, state school and stuff. So I had all the confidence in the world with him. So when I went to get that first suit made, I was just kind of psyched because it was something new. And I I remember very vividly the first time I put that on after my second fitting and it was all done. And it was like this transformative, like it was amazing the difference that I felt. So I felt like a completely different person. So that was the spark that ignited the fire. And uh, so after that, I had actually transitioned to construction to get down like a a little bit more of a clear path and um, was going to school at night. And I started you know, trying to figure out a way that I could get other guys to feel the same thing that I felt when I wore a suit or started getting into dressing well and just the way you feel when you know you look put together. So I began doing in-person consulting, mostly with my friends at that point. And it was, you just ask your most stylish friend what they think you should wear. So I'd take my friends to the mall and we would go pick out a few outfits, try to figure out what they had for a budget, work within that budget. I ended up getting a few people who were very happy to just pay me to to, to show them what they should be wearing and give, give me a, a certain amount and buy it for them. So it became consulting and almost like a personal buyer in a way, which was cool. But uh, I, you know, I really wasn't sure exactly what my path, where my path was leading me. And at this point, I was working in construction as an electrician. Uh, I was doing the consulting on the side, making pretty good money, and I had a dog who was, he was a rescue dog. He was a really, really high-energy dog. I needed to exercise him twice a day, and when he was 10, his health went downhill really quickly and um, ended up having to put him down, and that left a huge void in my life. So I was, it sounds silly because, you know, it's just a dog, right? But I wasn't married. I didn't have any kids it was, that was my kid. My dog was like my life. So when he died was when I first said to myself, man, maybe I'll go down and check out StyleCon and just meet some other people. And so I did. And I went down there and came back super inspired and and like ready to go and decided I was going to start making videos. And I remember when I first put up my camera, just staring at it, thinking like, I don't even know what I'm going to do, what I'm going to say, being so scared that people would you know, judge me or think I was a complete dope or totally disagree. And and you see that how nasty people can be in the comments. But I got over it and uh, put out my first video and really didn't start getting too serious about it until 2016. Uh, Up to that point, I think I may have put out a total of eight videos. I wasn't really sure about a direction, but that kind of brings us to the present day where things have, have started to the ball has started to roll. The inertia is behind it. And now I'm just trying to figure out where it's going.
0: Wow. So you were one of the guys that goes to StyleCon just saying, like, I've got this idea for a thing. And then you come home and you really put what you learn into action.
1: Yeah. Yeah. That's it was the follow through. A lot of people, they come up with good ideas and they they have the best intentions, but it's the follow through that's the hard part. And uh, that was kind of one of the things that that the guy who would who would take me to get that suit taught me was you know, if, you, if you have confidence and you can follow through, you'll be ahead of ninety nine percent of the people in no matter what you're doing, whether it's in your job or anything like that. So, yes, that was that was the uh, that was the aha moment was down at StyleCon and talking to people and thinking, man, I could I could really see myself hanging around people like this and doing this uh, full time someday. And, you know, I'm not sure I'll ever get there, but I'm really enjoying the journey.
2: So when you first started making videos, did you have like a certain, I guess, any channels that you saw that were doing it right that you kind of wanted to emulate? Or did you have an idea of how you would do something differently, I guess, from what was already out there?
1: Yeah, the, the idea was I, I that's at this point I had subscribed to basically every single men's style channel I could find and their email lists so i would get emails from basically the same guys on the same exact product and it would be some kickstarter campaign or maybe some product whatever it was and i started realizing that the more and more i poked around online the the less genuine these videos were becoming i was watching third-party advertising and now that's not to say that's true across the board. there are plenty of guys out there who are doing legitimate reviews and they're actually giving you the, the the straight deal on what they're they're talking about, but there are a disproportionate amount of guys who are just looking to make a buck and uh they're they're being paid or, you know, in in product or monetarily and they're just kind of showing you they're showing you the best parts of it and putting painting it in the best light. So what I really wanted to do was give a real review of something, not just what was (laughs) stipulated in the contract with whatever company it was. And I wanted to do that. So it was this whole no BS kind of approach where, listen, if the product sucks, then that's fine. Because I have a full-time job. I'm not relying on you to pay me. I'm just going to tell you exactly what I think. And I don't like to go at it with a negative attitude like that. I have done some negative reviews in the past. I really don't like that feeling. I'd rather be positive. But that was what I started basing everything around was, I'm going to be as honest as I can and tell you the truth. And if you like it or if you agree, then that's fine. But um, that was the cornerstone.
2: Yeah, I, I agree that that is absolutely the type of voice that is needed right now more than ever. Um, and I think people can sense that and you know appreciate it. So when you first started, you did have some sort of goal to eventually monetize, though, or like, or do this as a business, or was it 100% hobby?
1: No, it was a total passion project, and, and it still is. I mean, right now, I don't see much as far as returns go. It's definitely – I'm way more in the hole than, than I've made any kind of profit. It's a passion project. It's a hobby, but I enjoy it immensely. And um, trying to figure out how to monetize it without having to resort to sponsored content from a brand I don't believe in or trying to rely on Patreon or any of these other things, uh, you know, I really don't. Know, I don't know what that looks like right now. I have an idea. I think that maybe at some point, because I like to focus on smaller brands who are really relying on quality, uh, I have an idea of maybe putting together some sort of a, an online boutique where I can feature a lot of these smaller brands who can't get put into a Nordstrom, and people can't find their products. Um, and keeping all those together in a nicely curated place but I have no idea how to do that. And I have to seek out the right people for guidance on how to even start implementing something
0: like that.
2: Yeah. Yeah. That's, that's a big question. You know, how, how to monetize basically, a, you know, a, a media company, a digital media brand, uh, without doing, uh, too many sponsorships or any sponsorships. That's, I, that's a tough question. I mean, obviously there's, there are channels that are doing it, you know, and there are websites that are doing it, but, uh, but I think it is a much different business model, but, Yeah, definitely, uh, definitely honorable. And, uh, I think, I think we do need more unbiased kind of, you know, straight up reviews out there when you, when you first started, did you have any idea like how to produce a video? I mean, did you have any background in that?
1: Uh, a little, but more importantly, I actually, my best friend, uh, he makes documentaries for a living. So I had a tremendous resource that I could call upon anytime I had a question. He was the one who really got me started. So uh, the first videos I ever did were with a GoPro. That was the only thing that I had. And then little by little, he would kind of critique me and say, all right, you know, your lighting is really, really harsh. You have to diffuse that. And one of the things that he told me, which I'll tell anybody who asks, especially guys who are just starting out on YouTube, um, audio is first. You have to have the audio on point because... People will watch a video and it can be the most visually dazzling thing. But if they can't hear you, they'll tune out. And a lot of people will watch a video and they won't necessarily watch it as much as they'll put it in the background while they're doing something else. So if your audio isn't, you know, absolutely as good as it can be, which is, is pretty affordable to do, really, then um, the rest is just going to fall apart really quickly. And that's something uh, maybe the most important thing that he taught me.
2: Yeah, that's so true. <laughs> <laughs> I a video Last week. Thing and my mic had cut out and so it was the camera mic and I was like ah I don't want to put this up but like you know I'm just gonna do it anyway and I just it feels so bad to put out bad audio but yeah I agree <laughs> if you can invest in any gear you gotta invest in a good mic
1: yeah yeah and you can do it pretty cheaply you can get into a good audio setup for around a hundred dollars which is in the world of pro audio and video that's a bargain but uh moving back a little bit I, one of the things I always liked about before even when I was reading your blog, before you started making videos, Brock, was the fact that you would show quarterly earnings, and it, it really made it tangible how how difficult it is to make a living off of this stuff. I, I used to love reading those updates that you would do.
2: Mm, yeah, thanks, man. Yeah, that, I was. I kind of stopped doing those. Uh, I think at the beginning of last year, but um, but yeah, that was. I, I like I like that because and you see it a lot in other industries, like especially in kind of like the online business industry, people doing income reports. But yeah, it kind of shows shows people that first of all, it is possible to make money, but also how it works, because I think a lot of people you go to a website or you go to a YouTube channel and you're like, OK, are these people making money like is money changing hands? Are they being paid? Uh, and I don't know about you guys, but like whenever I tell somebody what I do, they always they always ask you can make money like that or like How do you make money you know so it it seems like uh almost everybody is kind of i don't know intrigued by it
1: yeah but there's a new there's a new stereotype which is oh you're one of those youtube online millionaires because everybody thinks oh all these people are making videos and making a ton of cash and what they don't realize is you know the return there are so many other ways you could do almost anything and put in the same amount of hours and make more you have to have a passion for it and you have to enjoy it first and foremost otherwise you want to look to make money there are much much more effective ways to do that
2: oh yeah especially quickly like it's if you start like a new brand or, or you know youtube channel website like you better be in for the long haul because is going to take a while to start making any real money
0: oh yeah definitely <laughs> now Carl, i had wondered too because i i follow your instagram story and you seem to get stuff from B H all the time and i'm like man i want to get some stuff from <laughs> bnh so that's like you <laughs> taking the stance like you're personally investing in
1: Well, I, I, the, the total money that I've made through AdSense uh, maybe could have bought one of my lenses. I, you know, the, uh, the, the camera gear that I've bought, you know, there's an old saying that, that really kind of goes back to my blue-collar roots, and it, it's really the tools that you work with the tools you work with every day, you, just, you have to make them the best possible. So if I'm a mechanic, I want to make sure that I have the best wrenches, the best everything, because that makes my job that much easier. And when I was an electrician, the same thing applied. And now that I really want to make a go at this and really do want to invest, because the better product that I can put out, because these videos, you know how it is, they live on forever. And if I'm at 500,000 subscribers years from now, And they look back and they see garbage. Nobody's going to watch that. But if they're good quality now, then they still have watchability years in the future. So, yeah, I did make the investment in, um, you know, I like Canon. I know a lot of guys are into Sony and the new GH5 from Panasonic, but I like Canon. They just do enough of, they have a lot of what I like. So I ended up investing in one of their cinema line cameras, um, some of their L series professional lenses. And like I mentioned, I mean, my wife, uh, god bless her because she she puts up with my BH spending sprees pretty pretty well but i can understand when a little lens comes in and you say you paid 1600 dollars what does it do uh you know it's hard to sell that sometimes
2: yeah it's it's a rabbit hole man there's all, and there's always something else too you know like i'm looking at all these stabilizers and gimbals i'm like mm, those are pretty cool <laughs> <laughs>
1: And the other thing is, too, well, how much of a return am I going to get on this? Okay, yes, I'm using all the best stuff, and I think I know how to use it. Every time I try to use it, I try to improve a little bit. But is that going to equal more subscribers, or is that going to equal better engagement or really result in that much of a better video? And so then you have to start looking on the return on investment. Is the kit lens just as good as this really expensive professional lens? You know, you see guys like Casey Neistat who are making a go of it with an $800 camera and you know a five hundred lens, and they're they're pushing you know eight million subscribers, and it goes to show that really the most important thing is the content itself. Everything else can it it aids in telling the story, and oftentimes it's more of you know just being to tell your story easily. But it's about the content first and foremost. So getting getting stuck in that constant cycle of buying the latest and greatest and best gear, you could be shooting with an Ari Alexa. And the absolute best uh, stuff that money can buy. But if the content isn't good, nobody's going to watch.
2: Oh, yeah. Totally agree, man. It's all, all the money and all the gear in the world can't buy good content. You know, that thats that comes from you.
1: <laughs> right. Right. And that's the hardest thing to get, too. I wish it was that way because then you could just buy views. But, you know, it's harder to develop, to develop yourself.
2: Right. Right. So what what have you learned about that over the, the last few years about the content and, you know, your presentation and you as a, a creator?
1: What I'm trying to do now uh, is learn much much more about storytelling. I want my videos to have a beginning, a middle, and an end. Now, it's really hard to do that with reviews because you're, you're showcasing a particular product. But what I've tried to do sneaky is, uh, like, bring in, little elements of my own life. So in the beginning, it was kind of, it was a little sterile. It was me. And I'm talking about a product. The video is really about the product. There's very little of my own personal life in there, but over time I've tried to bring this, this, this evolution about of, of making it more about me because people will watch now you and I could put out the exact same video or about the, the exact same product but we'll have two completely different takes on it. And the the reason somebody will watch one or the other is because of the person. They really identify with you or they like your approach or they like the fact that you'll tell them, you know, exactly how it is or whatever it is. So I'd like to have a more of a story in the videos going forward. But as far as presentation goes, just being, being true to yourself, not trying to be anybody else. I mean, Aaron Marino is known for being so energetic And, you know, you think of him and and it's just like this ball of energy. Or then you look at somebody like, you know, Sven Raphael Schneider from the Gentleman's Gazette. And the way he talks is much more proper and much stiffer. And I remember when I asked him very early on for any kind of advice, um, one of the things he said is, you know, make sure you write out a script. And uh, I found that that doesn't really work for me. That may work well for him. But most of the time, what I'll do is just have bullet points and I'll just go off the cuff. And. That's what I've learned over time is that that's how you get your personality out there. Otherwise, you're just reading. And while it may be put together and it has all the relevant information, you're missing maybe the most vital part, which is your personality. And that's why people are watching you as compared to any number of other style influencers on video on uh, YouTube.
2: Yeah, that that's such that's great advice, because I think it is really hard for it's hard not to kind of emulate somebody else when you first get started, especially because first of all, that's what people are telling you. And. Also, you, you've probably watched somebody else's channel, so it just kind of happens naturally. Like I remember talking to Aaron, very similar to your conversation with Raphael's, and he's like, you know, the camera zaps your energy, so if you want to come across as a 10 in terms of energy levels, you got to be a 12, you know, because it zaps you. Um, and so for a while I tried to make videos where I was like super energetic and, you know, basically trying to be like Aaron, and I was like, well, that's not me. I'm, I'm totally laid back. and like super chill, you know? So I kind of started making videos that were like, felt more me and, and i think you know it's not for everybody but it it feels authentic so i think that's really good advice
0: i found myself trying to emulate peter mckinnon's when he goes what's up everybody like i found myself doing that <laughs> as i'm like walking outside i'm like what's up everybody because i think it's a cool intro <laughs> and he did that with mkbhd where he was like teaching him the like the, the, the pumping sound. And, uh, but yeah, I think that's, I looked at, I if just the other day, I looked at a video that I put up two years, almost three years ago. And I was like, Oh my God, I can't believe I sounded like that. And so I think as you find your <laughs> voice embracing it and like being conscious of it is so important. Definitely. Definitely. I love
1: Peter McKinnon though. I mean, he's, there's a perfect example of somebody who's so relatable and seems like if you saw him, he would be just that guy and you could just, you know, hang out and get a coffee with him or something. And that, that seems to be the shared, um, the, the shared personality trait across a lot of these great guys. Is they're they're genuine, they're friendly, and when you turn it on, it's almost like a like a quasi friendship. You know, John and I were talking earlier about how sometimes when you watch somebody's video, you feel like you know them. And this is actually the first time John and I have spoken in person or <laughs> spoken period. And uh, we know each other just from trading uh, office <laughs> memes and stuff like that but i feel like i know them already and that's that's part of that's kind of like part of the allure of youtube people feel like they can tune into a particular person and uh and they already know you and they can tune in a couple times a week or whatever and it's the same thing like calling up your buddy just hey what's going on and it's a one-sided relationship because you're the viewer but i think that that's that's how it operates for a lot of people and that's why there's such an attraction
0: carl why are you the way that you are (laughs) (laughs) so so i'm totally on board with with the things you're saying and you know youtube is definitely a grind what really keeps you going then as you're saying you're in the hole on some of this and and some of the return on your time but like in that first year when you had no subscribers like what really kept you going in that those early days
1: Uh, i think knowing that i had to build up a body of work knowing that anything worth doing is going to take a lot of legwork no matter what it is and Anything that you do, whether it's a business or getting a degree or or even just grinding it out during my apprenticeship as an electrician, there's a lot of thankless work that goes into it, and it's not a quick return. So I I knew that going in, and that was sort of a – that's kind of a key concept I always remember. But the other thing is I would get the occasional comment. Now it's great because I I feel like every time I go and check, I have a a new comment and somebody I can interact with, and that's really cool. Uh, Back in the day, if I had a comment, I was like shocked. I was like, oh, wow, somebody commented. Let me see who it is. And uh, sometimes you would get a really genuine comment. Somebody would say something like, you really helped me make a purchase, or I bought this thing and I absolutely love it, and I would have never known, or or whatever it is. You get this these little tiny positive comments and it's funny because that's fuel for like several videos, you know, You, <laughs> it's, you can latch onto those and it's like, man, I am helping that guy. I got to make sure that I impress Rob over in Tennessee because I know he's watching, you know, that's, uh, that's kind of what helped, especially in the beginning.
0: Yeah. I had email subscriptions turned on with YouTube when I first started of like every time I got a subscriber in a comment and then I ended up turning them off after the first, I don't know, a couple of months. I was like, all right, it was cool for a while, but now I'm, you know, I think that's a really cool tipping point.
2: Can you tell us a little bit about your channel's name change?
0: Yeah. uh, You know,
1: the New England style consulting originally was just an extension of doing the in-person consulting. So that was I figured that what I was telling these people who could afford it, um, a lot of people probably need to know who didn't have the money to shell out for a whole day with me. So I thought, all right, what a better way to, to kind of spread that as far as wide as I can than a YouTube channel. So that's why I named it New England Style Consulting. It was an extension of the in-person consulting. And over time, it became its own thing. It, I, I'm actually doing much less of the in-person thing. I have a few key clients, but um, much less of the in-person style consulting and making more videos. Now, again, the return doesn't really justify that shift. But I, I go after what I like, and that's, that's, how, that's how it is. So I really want to start branching out a little bit more. And I don't mean really getting away from style, but maybe expanding a little bit more. And recently, I've gotten in touch with several small brands and trying to do some some tours of companies, factory tours. Recently, I went to uh, American Woolen, which is in Connecticut. And this guy, he was a, an investment banker, and he bought the uh, Loro Piani wool mill in Stafford Springs, and basically said, all right, well, I'm gonna make a go of it. I know nothing about this stuff, but I'll learn. And now he's making some of the finest wool coming out of America. So just talking to that guy was so inspiring and hearing his story was incredible. So it's starting to shift now. And I mean, I just spent, I spent the full day and uh, plus with um, Dan Trepanier of of Articles of Style trying to put together some content with him. And I, I came back with hours and hours of video footage Trying to edit it down into like a digestible bite, but now I'm spending time with these people who have done it—they they're already there, and they all have a sort of a unique place that they've come from, and learning so much from them. It, it's not about style consulting anymore. I'm not talking about how you match patterns and colors and textures. It's becoming more a focus on on these people who are doing great things, still within the the world of of fashion and style, but. Um, I'm not sure. Sometimes I feel like I'm just kind of following it. Maybe I'm not quite in the driver's seat and I just sort of go after what looks interesting and is inspiring, but it's not so much about style consulting anymore. It's become something else and and maybe it's not in its final form yet, but um, I'm kind of just along for the ride to be honest with you.
0: I love that idea. I, I watch that series and I find myself watching that type of video on YouTube all the time. It's like behind the scenes, especially now with companies being so small and being founder led. It's like you want to hear their stories. And I don't know if that's a, a personal bias or something, but the videos seem to do pretty well too. So I think that's a really cool direction for the channel.
1: Yeah. And there's a lot too that have come out since then, you know, different companies that have reached out. So I have several other ones planned. And if this becomes something that is a, uh, you know, is a desirable thing for smaller companies. Like I mentioned, a lot of these small companies, you think about it, if you start it and you don't have the, the big budget for marketing yet, my video can reach a few thousand people and people who are in your key demographic. That's uh, I mean, that's, that's a huge thing. So I think that might be some of the appeal for some of these smaller brands, but, um, I'm actually visiting a, uh, a brand that makes their own jeans from start to scratch and has a lifetime warranty on them, which is cool. And, um, so I'm gonna go be visiting. I'm gonna go be visiting them pretty soon, and um, a few other things in the works. So we'll see how it goes. I like making that kind of content. It's way more labor intensive, but uh, I don't know. The end, it's worth it, and that's the personal satisfaction. You know, instead of counting views or, or anything like that, it's like you look at it and you say, "That's awesome. I put this out. Maybe I helped them and uh, brought them some new uh, some new customers." But I don't know. Uh, that kind of payoff is is totally worth it to me.
0: Yeah, you also have a new project going on where you're also building a new studio in your house, right? Because you had to move rooms.
1: Yeah, so my wife and I are expecting any day now our second and final uh, child. So we have a boy on the way, and uh, I used to use the the spare bedroom upstairs as my little studio. And once we knew he was coming, it was time to move out. So I actually have a, a, a very big and open attic which has, you know, big, you know, 10 foot ceilings and it's about fifty by thirty. It's a huge space and it's totally empty. There's nothing up there. So I said, all right, then that's what I'm gonna do. I'm gonna take over this space up here. And I really think that through that area, I I really hope to see the next evolution in what I'm gonna be making because I have a few ideas of having an area where you know I can maybe have some you know fellow YouTubers over or other people. You know, if people don't want me to necessarily come to them. They can come to me, and I'll have an area where we could sit down and maybe do a live stream or or something like that, and uh, have it tailor made. It's it's really really difficult, as you know. I mean, I I was watching as uh, as you were making some of your stuff there, John. You know, with sound diffusion and trying to figure out how to make something appealing that you want to go and hang out in, and it feels natural to be there, but also conducive to making a video with good lighting and good sound. That's it's quite a project, but I'm looking forward to getting into it as soon as I finish the boys room and and the whole second floor there you know it's like one construction project after another yeah
0: these kids man I feel you (laughs) 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 so we like to lead a little segment of rapid-fire questions so we didn't give you any prompting before this but these are like one or two word answers Uh, we'll just fire a couple at you sound good sounds good all right Oxford's or Brogues Oxford's morning shower or evening shower
1: well, it used to be in the evening because I was dirty, but now that I'm, uh, I'm in the office, it's in the morning.
0: Oh, now you're a white-collar guy. Uh, now a
1: white-collar guy. <laughs>
0: you, your favorite Bond actor?
1: Uh, Sean Connery.
0: Okay. Cardio or lifting?
1: Well, lifting all the way. I really got to get my cardio in check, though.
0: Uh, yeah, I guess you do. Cheetos, <laughs> <laughs> jeans, or trousers? Jeans. All right. And what is the last book that you read?
1: Uh, I actually, I, I use Audible now, so I can I count that as the same thing? Oh, yeah. Oh, okay, fantastic. Uh, the last one I, I read was uh, the Ray Dalio book. I, I think it's called, oh, Geez, what is it called? Principles. It's called Principles. So Ray Dalio is, uh, if you don't know, he's the CEO of Bridgewater, which is here in Connecticut. Um, one of the largest investment firms out there. I think he's always in Forbes, the uh, the most influential people richest people whatever and uh he's getting to the point now where he realizes in his, in his 70s he wants to pass on some of his knowledge and it's a it's a textbook on how to to live a very effective life um sometimes it could be a little dry but it's an excellent book
0: i definitely count audible as a uh, as a source for that and i actually have principles on my on my like next on my wish list and so um, looking nice looking forward to that one too because i've heard him on a few podcasts and i think he's a sounds like a very sharp guy
1: yeah i picked it up based on uh listening to him on tim ferris's show and it was uh i was like i gotta check that out
0: yeah effective marketing podcasts look at that <laughs> well great so i love to hear that story i'm looking forward to seeing you at your new series looking forward to the new studio and i think we might get something going on over in new york soon i know you i know you'll head down there for uh specific events but really excited to see i know it looks sounds like you have some cool ideas on how you can really move forward with the channel and uh, maybe you can give some sneak peeks behind the scenes and come back on the buttoned up podcast
1: yeah anytime anytime you know that that goes for uh (laughs) new york or the podcast whatever you've got
0: great thank you carl check out carl on uh is your your instagram's changed to karmorowski or or at least youtube no primary place you know
1: it's no it's still a new england stock consulting changing instagram isn't nearly as easy as changing uh youtube so (laughs)
0: Hmm. kind of funny so check out carl's uh, (laughs) site and we will be talking to you very soon carl thanks for coming on the button up podcast thanks a lot guys my pleasure Thank you for listening to the Buttoned Up Podcast, a collaboration between John Shanahan of the Cavalier and Brock McGoff of Modest Man. And we will see you next week.